My name is Jonas Acevedo, and I'm the host of the Infinite Journey ATX. This podcast is going to be about different lessons in fitness, different nuggets um, that you can hopefully take and add to your routine or your regimen and help to add value to those people looking to level up their fitness. Um, the goal is to just condense the knowledge that I have over the last seven years of training and get this out to a broader audience than just the clients in our gym. If you're looking to find more about us, uh, visit us at infinitefitnessaustin.com. Feel free to uh, reach out to us if you have any questions. You can find a link to talk to a trainer on that website as well. Welcome back to another uh, episode of the Infinite Journeys ATX. I'm sitting down with one of our clients and board-certified neurologist and headache specialist, Dr. Vertries. She's the owner of Vertries Headache Center. We work together a lot with some of her clients post-rehab, post-recovery um, from these issues that she's having. That's one of our specializations. So me and her talk a lot about the process. She actually started off as a client, and then we've been able to do some partnerships, co-marketing things, and just working together on figuring some of these issues out for some of our mutual clients. Um, she's a specialist in this. Again, so this is, we generally specialize in post-rehab, but that's kind of part of the some of the post-rehab patients that we've had or clients that we've had recently. So <clears throat> I wanted to have her on our show today, talk about a few different things when it comes to um, dealing with issues like this. She's dealt with them specifically. That's why she came to us. So um, yeah, tell me the significance that strength trainings played into your journey. Um, when did it become, uh, when did it come along and when did it become apparent that, hey, I needed to start doing some strength training with these issues that you're having? It's, it's actually been a long journey for me. So um, my problems personally started after a whiplash injury back in 2013. And then um, I did some physical therapy at that point, and it was very helpful. Um, and then after physical therapy, I became a mom and was breastfeeding. And then in that process, um, uh, you know, so just backing up in physical therapy, I... Uh, Part of uh, what was helpful for it was rebuilding my posture um, because slumping forward would often exacerbate my migraines. And so um, after physical therapy was done and then I had a kid and I was breastfeeding and leaning over my child all the time, my posture kind of gave way again. And, um, and it just over the, you know, the process of several years just kind of got worse and worse and worse. Um, and then, you know, uh, just being a busy doctor, I was, you know, neglecting my health, neglecting my fitness. Um, and so uh, I decided, you know, when my headaches became a daily issue, um, that it really needed to change. Um, and especially after I started my business and I was even busier as a working mom, business owner, uh, you know, you know, I had just neglected myself for so long that it was just time for a change. So, um, I then started to see another physical therapist and continued to do that work for a while, but just felt like I was hitting a wall. Um, and it, you know, physical therapy can be time consuming, but, um, you know, it was still, you know, worthwhile for me to continue to do that work. And then my physical therapist recommended that I start doing some um, strength training. 
to further enhance the work that we were doing and she recommended Infinite Fitness. And so that's how I ended up here. Nice. And I think that's can so many people can relate to that like I've gotten busy, I've gotten a promotion, I'm a new that's kind of the population that that we specifically see here a lot of is people who just got busy lives and like you know, how do I prioritize it? How do I, you know, like people know that it's important, but they also have things that are also very important, like a new business, a family. So, um, how was your process of kind of, you know, prioritizing it and making it something that you just really needed to do? And having a physical therapist that promotes that is also really important. And, you know, I don't think all physical therapists necessarily promote it. Maybe some promote yeah. it more than others, but it could be a really, I mean, it's kind of a, should be a part of the process, the recovery spectrum. You know? I think so. I, you know, I don't think that it's emphasized enough. I send a mm -hmm. lot of my patients to physical therapy, mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of with the similar goal of, you know, sort of it being an entry to fitness. And sometimes that's the case. You know, I think it's very therapist specific. Um, some of them are really fitness buffs and they really, you know, um, appreciate, you know, that transition from physical therapy into the gym and then mm -hmm. others really don't focus on that. Um, so I think it probably should be something that's relayed more often. Mm -hmm. A lot of physical therapists too will recommend a home exercise program. Right. And, you know, when they stop seeing you, they'll say continue your home exercises, which, you know, some you know, in their defense, some clients don't do that and then <laughs> yeah. their posture gets worse because they're not doing anything. Right. Um, but I, I think my main criticism of the home exercise program is that after you're done with physical therapy, it doesn't continue to evolve with the patient so because true. bodies are not um, static, they're dynamic and yeah. you have injuries or you are at different levels of fitness in your life. And so you know, the home exercises or whatever exercise regimen you do, I think needs to evolve mm -hmm. with the patient. Yeah. Um, so that's true. It's kind of like your, like, you know, we can, the cool thing about talking to you is that we can use your real experience of coming in here and like, Oh, well at first you were doing a lot of things that we didn't load. So it was loaded through body weight or static exercises and now you've gotten strong mm -hmm. and you're able to progress so yeah. it's like progressively getting stronger because you know let's say what works for you won't work for me because I'm at a different place and so yeah that's that's a good point of progressing with the patient and with the client right um, and having somebody that will do that yeah um, and then I think you know in, you know, a lot of physical therapists, they're in, you know, insurance-based models. True. So, you know, you your insurance company pays for a certain number of visits or they'll only continue to um, pay for physical therapy as long as you're improving. But once you plateau, then they'll stop paying. And I think, you know, if you plateau in a good place, then that's great. You're done. But <laughs> if you plateau and you're still suffering then probably that's the time where you need to implement something else into your regimen, mm -hmm. you know, to, so that you're no longer plateauing and continuing to improve. And so yeah. I see this problem a lot where patients are like, well, it helped some, but, yeah. you know, I didn't continue to progress and then they cut me off. Mm -hmm. 
And so I think that would be a really nice time to start incorporating gym work, or maybe they need to incorporate that gym work before physical therapy ends when they start to see that plateau. Right. And so I think it'd be really good, you know, for, for more therapists to talk about that yeah. to their patients. Yeah. That's what I love about the therapists that we work with is because they, one, they're open to working with us and talking about it with us, but also talking about it with their patients. You know, I think it's a, it's a huge thing. One of the things that I've, that I run into almost with everybody that comes from physical therapy, one of the reasons they come here is because they're, you know, whether they phrase it like this or not, but they're afraid of going into a big box gym or a high intensity gym or a big boot camp class, which again, those can be fun. If it's like, if you don't want to go and have fun, it's pretty, it can be really fun to do. I, I find spin classes fun mm -hmm. and I'm not like the spin type of person, but they find a lot of hesitation and a lot of fear mm -hmm. around getting back into the gym. So have you experienced that? Have you experienced that with patients? Oh yeah. So first and foremost, I think being a woman um, in a so gym true. environment um, can be really intimidating. I don't think historically gyms have been well suited to women or, um, you know, the framing around fitness in gyms, I think, is more around men and bodybuilding mm -hmm. and, you know, and it's not <laughs> yeah. the same thing for women, so you know, it's thing. not. So um, it, I think it can be really intimidating and probably a big part of my own journey of why I haven't been much of a gym rat. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I think um, what's been nice also, well, I think another problem is just, you know, since I didn't, you know, grow up in that environment so mm -hmm. to speak um you know i didn't really know what to do yeah um and so to kind of do it self-guided even at home mm -hmm. i think you know was problematic for me um so but i think what's been nice about infinite fitness is that you know there's been you know first and foremost the one-on-one -on -one, mm -hmm. you know to kind of get your feet wet to really, you know, know what you're doing and, you know, because, because it's an environment that's sort of a rehab to fitness, um, model, you know, everyone's kind of on their own journeys and mm -hmm. men and women alike. And so it doesn't feel as intimidating to mm -hmm. be in this environment. It's also a smaller environment. So instead of, you know, your huge, like, you know, planet fitness or whatever, yeah. or LA fitness. And, <laughs> um, so again, you know, less intimidating, fewer bodybuilders, I guess, yeah. and, you know, mm -hmm. more like real people, right, you know, right. coming to the gym. Average professional, you know, um, over 40. And right. really what we train is 70% of them are women. People kind of like, I, I know our demographic, but people kind of laugh and think I'm joking. I'm like, no, we mainly market towards, you know, yeah. towards that population. Again, I think being... Um, I have the privilege of not having that experience of being scared to go to gym because I'm a male. So um, I think between that and then, you know, um, being a guy, I, to speak for personal experience, have this ego thing of like, oh, yeah, we want to lift a lot of weights. And it's actually kind of not smart versus the women. And we're like, okay, this is your program. They're like, perfect. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you right. know, versus guys are like, I want to do more. It's like, well, you don't need to do more. <laughs> That's why you came here because you kept getting hurt, you know. Right. So... Um, I've actually got my mom doing some training with some of my trainers now because oh, cool. so, she's experienced the same thing. She was big into walking, but never into the gym stuff, you know, um, like you were saying, it can be intimidating 
on in a lot of different ways. I think that's again something that I don't necessarily think of. So yeah, and then I think there's you know there's probably also something to be said about making it too feminized of as well. Yeah, you know because then you may not be getting the full range of benefit. I mean, exactly. You know and. You know, I, sometimes I think, you know, people will go to, you know, back in the day, in my day, there was curves and like oh, yeah. a lot of women you just used to do this circuit training at curves yeah. and, you know, I'm not sure that it had the best staying power, right? Um, you know, because maybe it, you know, it served a certain purpose, but maybe not the whole purpose that it should have served right. for people. So, um, I think, you know. It's nice that the business is, you know, mostly women clients, mm -hmm. but also nice that when, that men still come and that there's sort of a full range of experience here. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I, th I can see that kind of pigeonholing, you know, being pigeonholed into one versus we, well, we just attract a lot of women because our philosophy is more sustainable, fitness, functional, long-term, longevity versus hard and fast. But we don't, you know, I don't think much of our, I don't think really our marketing says that's who we're looking for, but yeah, right. I can see that. I don't think it does. <laughs> yeah. But people come here, they're like, oh, wait, are these, these people look like me. They're the kind mm. of, you know, um, we do train some endurance athletes, but um, maybe 50% or less are endurance athletes. So we have a lot of people who are just, you know, kind of people who are just new into fitness. You but know? even then, I think... You know, the fact that you're training, you know, many of your endurance athletes are also dealing with injury. Oh, most of you them. Know, so there's a way to kind of, you know, commiserate in mm. that way that we're all just kind of trying. Like we're all on our journeys. All and we're all trying to journey. improve. And, and, you know. Yeah. I think it, you know, I think it's, there's also something to be said. You know, it really is a wellness model. Mm. Like the idea that you're rehabilitating an injury, you know, uh, you know, it's just everyone can, is kind of in the same boat in yeah. that way. You know? And I think that's some of the talk that is more becoming more prevalent now is how, you know, strength training, you know, coaches who do strength training, personal training should be a part of that recovery, that whole recovery process versus kind of outside of it, you know? Mm. So I think that's one of the things I like to talk to our physical therapist mm. partners about is like bridging the gap because... Yeah. Yeah, you have so many factors, the intimidation, the time. Yeah. So even if physical therapists that do promote strength training, it's like if you don't send people to a specific place, it's really hard to kind of get them there. Yeah, you know? and, de and definitely that's been something that I've appreciated about this gym and you mm -hmm. is your openness to collaborate with my physical therapist that I've been working with. So yeah. uh, I've found that very helpful. Yeah, I think it's important. I think I mentioned it in another podcast episode, but... Some, you know, any client that comes here, if it, they're from a physical therapist that we don't know, I always try and connect with them because sometimes clients that don't speak this language, they come to me and they're giving me secondhand information about right. something that they don't really know about. So versus a physical therapist, we can talk over a few emails, kind of get things ironed out, and it's much more efficient mm -hmm. than just having them tell me what they try to remember from last week, right. <laughs> you know. Um, what are some guidelines for somebody who's dealing with migraines and kind of falls in line with people who are dealing with injuries in general who want to incorporate strength training? Well, 
Uh, I might be biased because I'm a physician, but I think you should see your physician (laughs) (laughs) as a starting place. You know, I think with migraine is really a brain syndrome. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, when you have migraine, it's, um, basically it means that your brain is sensitive to triggers in your environment. And so one of those big triggers could be musculoskeletal, like, Mm -hmm. you know, related to your posture, but there are you know, might be other factors at play that aren't related to your physique, your posture, your musculoskeletal yeah. system. So I think first and foremost is making sure that, you know, some, you know, what are the factors at play? And mm-hmm. then, okay, maybe the next step then is if there is a significant musculoskeletal component, then, you know, a referral to a physical therapist, you know. And and the nice thing about that is that that can be your entree into into fitness if you're not ready for it Mm -hmm. or you know the physical therapist can kind of determine you know are you ready for it Mm -hmm. or you know do you need to rehabilitate you know certain things before you you enter into fitness so um i think i think that's the best route but again that's my personal bias (laughs) you know but a lot of it is based on my own yeah you know experience my personal experience and experience obviously with so many of my patients. Yeah. And I think for me, we have a big, you know, the attitude for me is collaboration versus competition. Um, Earlier on, and when I was um, around other personal trainers and coaches, people try and do things that's kind of out of their scope. And one thing is that like, we just want to really be good at getting people functionally strong and collaborate with other professionals. Because one of the ways that I look at it is like, okay, we, Let's look at the athlete experience. Let's say, I'm not even a sports person, but somebody who plays sports for Austin FC. They have a team. They have doctors. They have physical therapists. They have strength and conditioning people who all collaborate with each other. It's not just a strength and conditioning guy trying to fix everything. Right. Or or the, that's probably not even just the doctor trying to fix everything. And there's kind of certain points um, where all of those could come into play. You know, it's like our, some of our clients... They've seen you. They haven't seen you in six months. Now they're kind of training with us. And, mm-hmm. you know, you have clients that you're probably working with heavily right now because they need that. Mm-hmm. They're maybe not ready for strength training. Right. So um, what's the realistic recovery process look like? How do you deal with, you know, setbacks and progress when it's just not all linear? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> that anything um, in migraine is ever linear. So true. To be honest, yeah. you like know, that's just life. It, it is life. I mean, it, life is dynamic and mm-hmm. you know, we can't, because it's dynamic, we, it's really probably not fair mm-hmm. to expect that it's going to be linear. I mean, you know, things happen. Yeah. Um, you know, I think sometimes, you know, it's certainly been my journey having done physical therapy several times in my life (laughs) that you'll work on one area and it'll flare up something else and Mm -hmm. then you'll have to work on this other area Mm -hmm. you know and then because you worked on this other area you neglected the first area (laughs) and so then you'll have to kind of get back um you know to addressing everything and (laughs) I won't lie sometimes it's exhausting Mm -hmm. and it is a lot of work Um, I think what's been personally helpful for me, um, has been having a team, Mm -hmm. um, you know, so I have my physical therapist and I have you guys and 
And I also, you know, do other body work like massage therapy, fascial stretch therapy, um, chiropractic, sort of as needed. Um, I also think, you know, making sure that when you're doing a fitness program, you have adequate recovery. Mm -hmm. And so that's where some of that body work comes into play. And it just, it just kind of, again, helps you break through some of those walls, those plateaus, um, and, you know, allows you to continue to progress. Um, and I think, you know, just, and I tell this to my patients all the time, is just being patient with the process because it is a process. Mm -hmm. um, and then ultimately there is no cure for migraine, but it doesn't have to be a daily chronic debilitating situation. You can have quality of life. Mm -hmm. Um, but just having realistic expectations about what that should look like. Yeah. You know. And there's so many factors. It's, it's highly nuanced. It's not as simple as like, you know, doctor, physical therapy, strength training. It's like, you know, there's some there's huge psychological factors. The fear mm -hmm. could be a whole podcast series of it on its <laughs> own. Um, you know, and then um, another thing that you touched base on is um, you mentioned something that I was thinking about. Um, oh, the recovery process. People, when they come in, when we assess them, I always mention like, yeah, how, how are you sleeping? Well, how are you, well, how's your energy levels? And they're like, well, why do you really need to know that? And it's like, mm -hmm. well, if you're not even recovering, you know, you're gonna really limit. I mean, you can take supplements, you can take all this other bull crap, but like, if you just sleep seven hours, you're gonna have like a significant, significant, change versus taking supplements to you know mm -hmm. it's like yeah it's huge and it's well, so and then if you don't recover not only do you not progress but you also increase your risk of injury right which is not what the goal is exactly <laughs> so you have to take care of your whole person not yeah just you know like fitness is even though it's a you know a very important part of the whole it's not the whole it's not the whole yeah mm -hmm. recovery needs to be prioritized um and it's just in general it's just highly complicated you know yeah. but you're right it's really not fair to expect expect it to be linear i think when you go in with that attitude it's helpful versus thinking like oh great i'm gonna start getting better and yeah I'm never gonna backslide or something yeah it's not gonna come up and and i think also acknowledging that you know you're dealing with issues, you know, and reaching out to people is important because mm -hmm. sometimes people will just kind of, you know, close in on themselves and they yeah. won't admit, you know, right. that they're deal they're they're having problems, mm -hmm. you know, and again, it just speaks to having a good team. Like that's what the team is for. You right. need to reach out to your team and yeah. say, "Hey, I'm going through this thing." Mm -hmm. I mean, I recall recently, you yeah. know, I was dealing with kind of a some wrist pain uh -huh. and you know and I was feeling really discouraged about that for you know several weeks yeah and then I mentioned it to you and then I mentioned it to my physical therapist and mm -hmm. then I mentioned it to my massage therapist and then you know like once everyone was kind of on board it actually didn't take very long to get through that problem so <laughs> right. you know it's just a matter you know because and and everyone had a slightly different answer which was yeah. interesting too you know like which I think all together actually was what ultimately helped. It wasn't just one thing that helped. It was mm -hmm. that comprehensive look at the problem that actually ultimately helped this go away. Yeah. So, 
just reaching out reaching and having out. that team set in place yeah. and versus, you know, the most unproductive mindset is like pushing through the pain or like no pain, no gain. People are like, yeah, no pain, no gain. Right. And I'm like, uh, it's kind of complicated, you know, yeah. um, how do you, in your process of actually doing the strength work, um, talk about how there's some healthy discomfort within the process that's kind of unavoidable. And then there's also some, you have to discern that between the pain that's not productive. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, I think most people can intuit that, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. Like, you know, people, I think, for the most part, know what, like, you know post-workout just like muscle pain feels like I mean it's uncomfortable but Mm -hmm. it's not like totally unbearable and you know I mean again if you're engaging in good recovery practices like stretching and massage and you know rolling and all those things I mean that those those help with that discomfort Mm -hmm. fairly quickly yeah you know it's really when you're dealing with something that's newer that isn't really going away and Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like that that you know you should just be a little more cautious and then really reach out to people and and then of course if you're really new to fitness and you don't know the difference (laughs) i mean actually again just talking to people you know and and mentioning i feel this way Mm -hmm. and you know people can probably tell you oh yeah that that's a real injury versus oh no that should get better. And if it doesn't, then, you know, reach out. Then you need to take some action. Yeah, take some action, reach out, yeah. So it's really highly complex. It it, is. And in the beginning, you don't know. So it takes somebody who's educated to talk somebody through that and how to know the difference. Mm Because coming out of physical therapy for a lot of our patients, it's a challenge of knowing what is discomfort and what is actual pain. Right. Because sometimes it's easy to either, you know, kind of be paralyzed by every sensation and then on the up, opposite yes. side thinking that, no, I can't because I'm just strength training. I'm supposed to be no pain, no gain. Right. Which is not, right. not correct. Um, what do you think about when the statement movement is medicine? So just continuing to try and be active um, and try and have some type of activity. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, it, you know, I, I would speak from the standpoint of, you know, someone who who treats migraine patients. And I think a big part of, you know, the musculoskeletal, you know, paradigm with with migraine is that people aren't moving. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people are developing bad postures because we're our ergonomics are terrible at work or at school or at home or, you know, if your Mm -hmm. home office is at play or, you know, you're just spending so much of your time sitting um, instead of being upright, instead of moving around. And, you know, that's how you gradually see that creep into that forward flexed position that can be so harmful um, for the migraine patient. Mm-hmm. Um, so just getting up and moving, it can be really important. And just, you know, taking breaks every 20 minutes if you do have a desk job, yeah. and getting away from that computer and just you know, really fighting the temptation to be on your device, Yeah. you know, for hours at a time. I mean, you know, I feel, I tell people, I feel like ergonomics issues and postural issues are like their own pandemic. Oh my gosh. That's not really talked about because Mm -hmm. it's now become so pervasive Mm -hmm. in our society because we are 
really dependent on our devices and our computers. Hugely. Um, so just not falling as much prey to it yeah. and really, you know, giving yourself breaks, I think is, is largely the key. And then, mm -hmm. you know, for all the eight hours that you're spending in front of that computer, I mean, you really need to be spending a good amount of time to counterbalance all of that. So that's yeah. really, I think where fitness then, mm -hmm. you know, can be helpful in terms yeah. of that counterbalance. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, one of the things, like one of the approaches that we take, most our average client only trains here two to three days a week. But I really promote people to get moving, doing some activity that they love. It doesn't have to be like, hey, come out here and hammer five workouts out a week. It's like, you know, do something sustainable. And one of the things you mentioned about technology, I think, you know, uh, we're highly plugged into everything. But one of the, like, at this, on the same token, what I talk to clients about is like, these have features that can we can also use to our advantage. I turn my phone on grayscale mode a lot, so mm -hmm. that way it's less, much less addicting. Mm -hmm. um, you can follow your screen time. Mm -hmm. um, you can you know set alarms to stand up. My watch tells me to stand up, which is super annoying. But um, <laughs> right, <laughs> it's like oh yeah, it's because I've been sitting down for an hour or, or something like that. So and I think just in general, movement is important not even specifically one style of movement or strength training but yeah sitting eight hours a day sedentary is not what we're meant to do yeah and i'm not even saying that it has to be you know highly active activity exactly. either it's yeah. just a matter of just not being in that fixed position for so long because yeah. i think that's really what's toxic for people exactly i don't think necessarily like sitting is like per se like the devil it's like no sustain the position and it's like mm -hmm. If you just, yeah, if you're just laying for eight, like if you're just doing anything sitting still because you're going to be sleeping for another six to eight hours and then you spend another eight hours in one sustained position, um, yeah, our bodies are meant to, to move, could be walking, you know, doing something around the house. So it doesn't have to be super overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So, um, well, thanks again for coming on um, our podcast. To find out more about Steph Stephanie, Dr. Vertries, you can go to vertriesheadachecenter.com. Um, the link to the website will be in the show notes. Um, you can find out more about Dr. Vertries, the work she does, where to find out um, how to contact her if you have any questions or, or want to get in for, for a consultation. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Infinite Journeys. If you have any questions about your training or fitness at all, anything that we talked about, feel free to shoot me an email at jonas at infinitefitnessaustin.com and I'll personally reply. Um, if you're looking for more about our, us or our facility, you can find more at www.infinitefitnessaustin.com.